0: What's wrong with the car? Uh oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all smoked up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find
1: out. I think we should just start poking stuff. All oh, right? all right. Don't do that, folks. Tune into the grease gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch.
2: On Saturday mornings from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network.
3: Ouch, that
2: hurt! <laughs> Hello out there, Peabody and Sherman here. Set the way back machine. We enter the way back and were immediately hurtled back through time and space.
1: I love you In a color of
0: a Vita, baby Don't you know that I'll always be true Welcome, you children to Nostalgic Reader in Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. No, you can't. You know why? Because I'm live in SEMA, SEMA 2018, here in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Las Vegas Convention Center. And it's an amazing event. Huge, 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 huge crowd. Vaughn, how you doing, buddy?
3: Hey, how you doing tonight, hey. Robert? Pretty good over here Not at the sure. studio. All
0: right, well, I know you're a complete car fanatic, and, uh... You know, you really, you hear me talking about this. You do especially because you're sitting like uh, a few feet away from me every week at the, uh, during the radio show. But uh, you need to get out here to FEMA. Uh, I can't explain it. All I can tell you is, is the, if you're a car fanatic, this is the one place on the planet you have to be. Everybody, anybody, anything and everything that you can possibly imagine, anything that has to do with cars is here at FEMA. Now, I'm walking into South Hall. And there's three halls. There's North Hall, South Hall, or North Hall, Central Hall, and South Hall. I'm in South Hall right now. I'm walking through here because this is where all the truck stuff are, the off-road stuff, uh, the wheels and tires, and just all kinds of stuff. And uh, I'm walking right now, and I'm sure everybody remembers this name, Magard. Magard was real famous for, uh, I think, wheel locks, Cooper tires. That's probably one of the biggest uh, displays right here. As soon as you walk in the door. You've got, uh, what we got here? we got got Hunter Engineering, the name, that should ring a bell to everybody if you've ever had your tire changed. Usually if you go to a, a tire shore, there's a uh, bunch machines that uh, put your tires on, put your tires off, and probably balancing machines. A lot of really cool stuff here. Now, like I said, I'm in the uh, South Hall, so South Hall is more or less, I must to say a suspension-related, wheel-related you know, that kind of stuff, you know. Fortune. Ron I know you put some wheels and tires on your car here not so long ago, so you probably dig this place. It
3: sounds like a pretty uh, pretty rocking event.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, let's put it this way. You have a million square feet. You've got 2,500 vendors. You've got an average of 170, 180,000 spectators. That's not counting the seventy or 80,000 people that are... Uh, directly related to the industry, exhibitors, it's huge. It's huge. You know, it's a four-day event. It starts on Tuesday. It um, goes all the way through to Friday night, and the finale is steam ignited. So it's a giant car show with fireworks, displays, and the, you know, cool car builder build-offs. You know what's really hot this year is tuners again, tuner cars, Datsuns, uh, Toyotas. Uh, well, I say Dotson, I'm looking at the Vinny 240 40 z right now, Nissan, the, uh, cool, really cool looking Porsches that have here, just uh, just a ton of, ton of stuff. Ford had an amazing display. Oh wow. Here, looky here. we got a cool, I, I wish that we had video. I really do. Here's a really cool Porsche 356 with a sunroof. It's painted in the very rare colors called Smyrna green. You don't see it very often. Really, really neat stuff. Like, So you'll have everything here. You'll have late-model Camaros, late-model Mustangs, lots of Mustangs. Ford unveiled a new Ford Ranger today. They unveiled the new 2019 Ford GT. You've got, when you go to North Hall, and the reason I'm probably half and the is because I'm hauling butt here. I'm walking through the building here so I can kind of look around and see something interesting and something uh, related that you guys, you know, names, names. I'm trying to drop names so that you guys know what's, what's going on here. Of course, I'm over here in the wheel department, so I pass all the cool stuff. Coats, there's another familiar name. Coats, they make uh, wheel machines also. Let's see, what do we got here? We got uh, Lexani. Huh? They make wheels. And then there's uh, American Racing Wheel. There's Mickey Thompsons here. Yeah, that's a real familiar name. American Racing. So just everybody and anything. Uh, Rancho Shocks. Uh, Debrills here. All those big names. What's really really hot, obviously, is is jeeps and stuff like that, and all the off-roading stuff. But like I said earlier, Ford unveiled their new Ford Ranger for 2019. The Bronco's is not coming out until 2020, 2021. But that car, that truck, was really really exciting. And then they were referencing that how a lot of these aftermarket manufacturers are teaming up with a lot of the major manufacturers, like with Ford or with Chrysler, or Dodge rather, and with uh, Rams. That's what they call the truck, Rams. Chevrolet. So all these aftermarket manufacturers are making accessories for these cars now, which you'd actually buy through the dealership. So there's a lot of really cool stuff here. So what FEMA stands for is Special Equipment Marketing Association. And what that is, is basically all the aftermarket parts that are available for cars and trucks. Now, you're not going to believe this, you probably won't, but I'm actually trying to find a really comfortable place to sit for a few minutes. We've got a couple of guests coming on the show this morning, or this afternoon, and what am I sitting underneath it? Fortunately, fortunately, I'm sitting underneath a Ford truck. But this thing is sitting so high that I am actually sitting upright, and i got a clear view of everything. And people probably walking by thinking, hey, that guy's nuts. What's he doing underneath the car with his camera case? And he, who's he talking to? And, uh, hey, but I'm talking to you guys, my listeners here in Clearwater, Florida. So, but anyway, so like I said, let me go back to Northall, Northall. You know, we only have an hour, so I'm trying to cram as much out of my little bitty little brain. And convey it to you guys as I possibly can. But North Hall basically is like body shop equipment, frame machine stuff, body shop tools, wraps, uh, just all kinds of stuff that's cosmetic, exterior cosmetic stuff. And then when you get to Central Hall, Central Hall is where you get all the high-performance stuff. Central Halls were pretty much the coolest cars you could possibly imagine. Dave Kindig was sitting with us for breakfast this morning. And I'm sure you all know who Dave is. Uh, Kindig it. Uh, what's it called? Vision Rides. And Dave's been on our show a couple times. So he was there. Uh, this morning for the product, uh, they call it a, uh, product awards, uh, ceremony. And what they do is they hand out the awards for people who have, uh, the latest and greatest and the slickest and the newest and the coolest, uh, and the most innovative aftermarket products. And they have special teams that go around and actually judge that stuff. Uh, uh Tim Strange is on that team. He's uh, been on our radio show before and had actually had a TV show at one point called, uh, search and what was it called? Search and restore. And again, People here, celebrities, you name it, they're all here. Chip Foos, Courtney Hanson, Stacy David, you know, all the TV show guys, Dave from like I mentioned, uh, Steve Strokes here. And uh, Jay Leno's wandering around here somewhere. He actually has a display because he's having, uh, he's got uh, Dave, Jay Leno's custom uh, care products, you know, so he'll be here. Linda Vaughn's here. Uh, so all the big name celebrities. The names are endless, okay? The entertainment is endless. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on every day. So it's really, really, really cool. Hey, what I'm gonna have you do, uh, Vaughn? You listening there? Why don't you go ahead and call our first guest? And um, I was walking past this display this morning, and uh, two things. One is this morning. I I get last evening. I met uh, some people, friends of mine from Michigan. And if you're familiar with Superformance, Superformance basically makes uh, Cobra replicas. Okay, and they're actually endorsed by Shelby American, and they actually are acknowledged in the Shelby registry. So I was very fortunate. And if you go follow us on Facebook, I actually have a video up there. And uh, so I got to go run around in one of the cars on the tracks here. And uh, we did some skidding around. So go check that out. But we got some people from Key Performance coming on our show in a little bit. But uh, since we're talking about performance, I think it's only fitting that we have somebody from Coney Chocks come on our show. So while I was walking through the Central Hall, and uh, I was walking past Edelbrock, Magnaflow, uh, McGuire's, uh, Holly, and all those you know well-known names that you guys all recognize, I'm sure. Uh, I stumbled on the, the Kony uh, display. And what was really unique about the Coney display is they had two bright polished aluminum Porsche, Vinci's Porsche style cars there. One was a replica of an RSR, which is a 50s car, similar to what James Dean used to drive. And another one that was kind of like, like an early 50s Porsche Hilltime car. And uh, so I started talking to those guys a little bit. And I thought, well, hey, you know what? What's more fitting than We're talking about suspension since I was sliding around? In a superformance performance cover this morning. Uh, let's talk about performance. Let's talk about shock absorbers. And uh, so we have a gentleman coming on in a few minutes from Tony Shock. Uh, Vaughn, how are we doing there, buddy?
3: Got him on pretty soon here. Yep, he's about to come on in about a minute. I'm talking to him now.
0: Okay. Okay, super. So I'm going to keep yakking and hacking here. Um, Dave Kindig had, uh was talking to Dave this morning, he brought 10 cars here. 10 cars. And they're scattered all over this uh North Hall here or Central Hall. And it's some of the most amazing displays. He's got a three hundred SL Mercedes replica that it's sixty-seven GTO, uh sixty-two Corvette. He's actually got a display at Lingenfelters, and everybody knows Lingenfelter, It makes a cool killer Corvettes. In fact, I saw Ken walking around earlier. And then uh what else? Oh yeah, then he's got a sixty-three split window that's really tricked out. It's sitting over at the boiler exhaust uh display. So uh but anyway, how are we doing, is on. Okay, hey, I'm delighted to welcome to the show this afternoon, Lee Grimes. Lee is the product manager for Tony Shocks. Now, I, if you ever hear me talk about Shelbys all the time, the early Shelbys, 65, 66, 67 Shelbys, came from the factory with Tony Shocks. Tony is probably the number one brand in shock absorbers, all the performance cars use them. And uh, Lee, why don't you go ahead and help me out a little bit? Tell us what you do
1: at Coney uh, Shots. Well, great. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and thanks for the kind words about Coney. Yeah, I'm the automotive uh, product manager. I've been with the company for 23 years, and I will say for sure that I was a I was a customer on both street and racing cars uh, before I even joined the company. So uh, uh, it's it's been a great opportunity to uh, to not only uh, to, to have a, a, a career with a good company, but also something that's... That uh, you're actively involved and passionate about. Hey, hey, Lee, just
0: real quick, can you talk? Uh, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you? Are you? Uh, is your connection real good? Because I can hardly hear you. Unless it's my ears, I'm not sure. One of the two.
1: Um, I I can hear you uh, clearly. Um, I hope this is okay. If not, I can. Um, I've got an earpiece. I can I can try without that.
0: All right, try that. How's he coming through there, Vaughn? Can you It's can pretty coming through, land, okay. Here. All right, then it must be my ears. I got bad ears, so I guess I need to get an earpiece. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So if I st- trip, stumble, and fall, it's only because I can't hear very well. But there's a lot of stuff going on. Go ahead, Lee. Keep talking.
1: Yes. Yes. So, uh, so a- a- as I mentioned, yeah, I was, uh, I've been with the company for a long time and I have been able to be actively involved in in all aspects uh, aspects of the the company, whether it's the ride development. Uh, that's, that's one of the fun parts of the job, helping to, to, to find a Coney characteristic for different vehicles uh, to, to help bring out the um, – to improve both the handling and the, uh, the, the ride quality, the comfort um, of the cars that we approach. Every application that we have is, uh, is specific to that vehicle. We get the car. We drive it. We decide uh, what's good and what needs to be improved. Uh, and, and that way you get a, a, a much more refined package um, to – to go with the car, to bring the best out of it. So, if a car has an inherent issue, if they're known to to ride harshly on on uh, rough roads, if they have a tendency to have a handling balance issue, that's all the kind of thing that we can uh, we can address. Are are
0: Coney shocks used in any OEM or which original equipment manufacturing? Um, uh, uh, procedures. I mean, in other words, uh, products. Are they are they OEM on any cars? Any anything manufactured today? Uh,
1: not, uh, yes, mostly in Europe uh, at the moment. We don't really have uh, much in the way of original equipment currently uh, in North America, but in Europe, we work with uh, uh, we we work with uh, uh, Renault, Fiat, um, a, a number of different applications. We do uh, we do, do some Lamborghini. Some high end stuff, some some uh, uh, mid level stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Now, in the past, okay, Coney's always been associated with
0: performance, and it's always been like um, there was only there was a handful of cars, obviously in the '60s, that uh, used tone um, shocks. I know some Porsches had them, Shelby's ha- had them, Cobras had them, and uh, so let's talk about a little bit about the vintage aspect of it. Now, if I have an old set of shocks that were on my let's say, my 65, 66, 67 Shelby, and let's say they're kind of not working up the specs, I can actually take those shocks and send them to you, and you guys actually uh, recondition and uh, rebuild the shocks for us, and then they come with a guarantee, a warranty? How does that work?
1: Well, yes, the, the uh, um, we, they, there certainly can be service. that can be brought back to as new conditions. Um, they can also be modified uh, if you need a... Uh, a little d- different dimension on a body length, for example, or if you want an altered valving, uh, they can be put back uh, uh, together to, to match whatever the, the uses and the needs of that particular car. You mentioned the Shelby. Um, some of the, the, the modern vintage racing Shelbys are are, uh, are run a little bit lowered from when they originally came out. So uh, we've had some vintage people uh, ask us to, sh- to shorten the bodies a little bit. So uh, because it is a serviceable unit, we can restore it back to... Uh, as new functional condition when it was uh, uh when it was built back in the 60s 70s or 80s or we can do a, a a mild customization uh for you whether we you want uh, um, updated technologies uh within a a, a uh, uh externally uh, original look um there's a number of different opportunities there for you okay how long has the company how long has tony been in business what's Give us a little history on Coney itself. Actually, uh, Coney has been in business since 1857. Uh, so, if you do your math, if you do your math, that means that we were actually in business about 40 years before the automobile was designed. Uh, Coney started out; they were actually a uh, um, a leather company, a leather worker that made saddles. So, actually, if you think about uh, uh, about the saddle being between uh, the yourself and the uh, uh, the backside of the horse. Uh, then, technically, we were in the suspension business uh, decades before the automobile existed. So, uh, in the uh, after the turn of the century, uh, when cars began hap- uh, showing up and uh, uh, and and trucks and so on, uh, there there wasn't the corner mechanic in garage. Uh, so, it's the the leather worker, the guy with the tools, uh, was often the one that was brought into it. Co- actually, Coney's first. Uh, product they actually made for the automotive industry or the more the truck industry was they actually made a leather sock that went over the radiator uh on a car so in the this this is in the days before the uh the water temperature thermostat so it was a leather sock that went over the radiator and it had a zipper so you could in in the winter time you could close up your radiator and keep your your water temperature up or you could open the zipper up and uh um, and, and a little little bit more air through. Uh, and, and it's pretty much moved on from that. Uh, they started making automotive shock absorbers a little bit in the 1930s, but definitely the uh, um, in the 1940s uh, when hydraulics m- made some really major gains around World War II. Coney's been making automotive hydraulic shocks uh, since right after uh, World War II. So been in the business quite a long time. Actually, the Coney name, K-O-N-I, is actually um, – the, a derivative of the family name. The the Coney fa- the was was owned from the 1850s to the 1970s by the De Koning family, a Dutch family. And so, if you take the D E off the front and the N G off off the end, the K O N I pops out in the middle, and that's where our name comes from. Oh, so they
0: originated out of uh, Holland. Then. So that was the the, yeah. the the fact. Okay, interesting. You know, it's, it's funny that. because we always I, think of Coney so. At one point, some people said, oh, well, are because it ends in an I. It's Italian. Somebody else said it was English, you know, because they were experimenting with tricked-out suspension stuff. A lot of people know, recognize Koenig and they consider it kind of an American company. So its origin is actually from Holland. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah we're, we're a Dutch company, and that's still our the, – the vast majority of our automotive shocks is still built in the Netherlands. Really? Oh, I did not know that. Okay. So
0: how does the facility, how does it work here as far as the reconditioning? When, if I have to send my shocks to you, is there a reconditioning or, or a, a fact uh, uh, a facility here in the United
1: States that actually rebuilds them, or do they, do, do they get sent overseas? Yeah, They could be done here. We actually have three authorized rebuild facilities, all external companies, uh, in the United States, uh, two in California, one in, in Northern California, one in Southern California, and one near Columbus, Ohio, that can uh, uh, can rebuild unusually a uh, a few week to uh, to a month or so turnaround time, um, and freshen up your old Coney body. Okay, good. Now let me ask you this: I, was, I think a little earlier when you and I were talking there, your display,
0: um, you were telling me that you uh, just recently started getting into vintage racing. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yes, I've, I've been uh, uh, club racing with the SCCA for uh, uh, for for many years, starting in the in the late 1980s. But uh, a few weeks ago, or I guess maybe a, a little over a month ago now, um, I did my first vintage race. I'm an old uh, uh, Corvair guy. From uh, my first car as a high school uh, teenager, and then also the uh, the first race car I built in the early 1990s was a Corvair. Um, and then the SVRA, the the one of the lead uh, vintage racing association. Um, uh, they decided to, uh, there's been a lot of groundswell support for the Corvairs and the Corvair racing community. So at the at, uh, Virginia international raceway, they had a feature race and they brought together, uh, 21 Corvair race cars, the largest number of Corvairs that have ever been on track at a time. And, uh, uh, although I had not been in a Corvair for 25 years, uh, I, uh, I borrowed a spare car from a friend and I had a fantastic time. It was, it was really great to be, uh, uh, to be vintage racing again, uh, showing off the cars, being in in the midst of a group of, of, of over 20, 20 corveras. it was it was really amazing.
0: Wow! So you tell me, there's like there was some uh, Yanko Stingers there. There might have been uh, an old Fitz version there, and then just a lot of modified stuff, right? Because Corvair actually has a little
1: history, has a little legacy, doesn't it? In racing, Hey, hey you got it absolutely. The, the the highly sought after car is the is the Yenko Stinger, and probably. About half, or more than half, of the car of the corvairs that were um, at that race were were Yanko Stingers built by Yanko Chevrolet uh, in uh, um, I believe it's Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, in the 1960s, they built them for about three years. They built uh, right around 200 cars, uh, and uh, and and they're out the, the Yanko Camaros, the Yanko Supernovas. Have been, all been very popular, but it actually. Originally rooted back in the Yenko Stinger Corvair days, they were the first the first companies that that understood the General Motors Copo program, where they could uh, the dealership could special order these cars uh, with extra features on them, and uh, and they they built these these hot rods for, for both the street uh, and for racing. They had had quite a history in their day, and uh, they're still popular in the, in the niche uh, racing community. Super. Well, hey, we're going to switch around here a little bit. So real
0: quick, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Can you go ahead and give out all the social media and the contact information if people want to find out more about Coney Shocks?
1: Absolutely. Our, uh, our website for, for North America is www.coney-na.com. That's for Coney North America, Coney-na.com. Uh, the worldwide site is Coney.com that, that you'll see uh, a bit more of our European applications and their connections over. Uh, we're very active on social media with, uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram and so on like that. So, so please reach out to Coney shock absorbers on Facebook. Uh, and, uh, um, we put up all kinds of, of new information. We'll be having pictures from, from SEMA and, uh, and, and please, uh, reach out to us if we can, uh, can be of assistance to anyone. Uh, um, we'd love the opportunity. Super.
0: Well, Lee, I want to thank you for spending some time with us here. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show here at SEMA. I want to thank my guest this afternoon, Lee Grimes from Coney Shocks. Lee, take care.
1: Great. Thank you much.
0: Thank you. Hey, uh, Vaughn, how we doing there? Hey,
3: pretty good here, Robert.
0: Okay, well, let's go uh, fire up the uh, turntable while I find another location here, and then I think we got a commercial too, and then we'll call our next guest and get our next guest on the line. How about that?
3: Yep, we got a little commercial break here, and we got ZZ Top. I'm bad. I'm nationwide.
0: Oh, I'm bad. I'm nationwide. Hey, you tuned into the Doctor Radio Car. Don't touch that dial. We will be right back live from SEMA, Las Vegas, two thousand eighteen. <laughs>
2: nostalgic radio and cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order.
4: Hey, this is Lou Santiago of CarFix and GarageInsiderTV.com. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Enjoy the show.
0: Okay, we're back. Did you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars? And I think uh, did I did I time that okay there, Vaughn?
1: Yep, we're good.
0: Okay, well, why don't you go ahead and get our other guests on the line, and then while I'm uh, moseying on through the building here, you got it. Uh, past the uh, Kelsey Tire and. Uh, Goodyear display and the, uh, what else we got here? What's interesting is, and what a lot of people don't realize, back in the day, a lot of these companies were independent companies. And nowadays, they're part of, like, larger conglomerates. So half the times, I don't even know, and a lot of people don't even know what manufacturer or who owns what, where, and when, but we do know the brand. So, you know, you know a Firestone tire, you know a Bridgestone tire, you know a Goodyear tire, you know, uh... A Cooper tire, a Pirelli tire. But what people don't realize is a lot of times, same thing with the mag wheels. You know, we know American, we know Rocket, we know uh, Traeger, you know, but a lot of those companies are consolidated. Same thing like with uh, Hooker and same thing with uh, Holly. And a lot of those companies are all consolidated. And so you don't really know who owns what, where, and when, but you know the brand. And when you buy the brand and you stay with a name brand, like Tony, for example, or Bill Steen, or Gabriel, or something like that. You know, you're getting a quality part because generally they have a name and a reputation to protect, and they're going to try to make the best part that they can. But the interesting thing about all this stuff right here is when you see how vast this whole industry is. I mean, there's so many products out here. And what's really interesting also is the fact that you get a lot of smaller companies, startups, if you will. Necessity is the mother of invention. So people say, "Hey, I use this product. It doesn't really quite work in my application, but I'm going to come up with something better. I'm going to create my own." So then what they do is they come up with a product. Sometimes they bring it here. Sometimes they win an award. It's really cool. It's new. It's innovative. It functions well. It does what it's supposed to do. Along comes a major manufacturer that says, like, hey, we like the product. It works really good. How would you like to uh, be part of our organization? So then what they do is they do some sort of a buyout agreement. Next thing you know, that product becomes part of uh, a larger conglomerate with, uh, uh, and another name okay. brand. Yeah. Anyway, hey, we got uh, our guest on the line here. We do. We do. Who do we have? We have Todd Andrews on the phone with Superformance, right?
4: Hey, absolutely, Robert. How you doing? Pretty good.
0: Hey, again, I want to thank you very much for uh, scooting me in there and uh, having uh, the lovely and talented uh, Danielle spin me around on the track and see if she can get me to uh, uh, spill my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. Dude. But we were, we were out there early, so the tires were a little hard, so they didn't quite, uh, didn't, didn't quite do the trick, but she was uh, an amazing driver. Is
4: she there with you, by any chance? Yeah, she's sitting right next to me. I didn't know. Yeah, we're we're sitting here. I can. I can
0: okay. Uh, well, to... Todd, why don't you why not you take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about Superformance and uh, what Superformance does, and let's talk about some of those uh, Cobras that are out there on the track.
4: Sure. Yeah, Cobras aren't the only thing we do, but Superformance uh, we're the largest manufacturer of 60s replicas basically in the world. We do everything from the Cobra to the GT40 Daytona Coupe, Shelby CSX cars. Corvette Sport, and everything we do is under the license from the original manufacturer and or, you know, we've just got the shape or anything like GM on the C240, uh, Shelby on the Cobras. You know, everything's legit that we do. They're all factory-built cars. Um, they're built as a rolling chassis in South Africa, and they are shipped over here um, to our dealer network, and the dealers arrange with the customers to uh, arrange to get the power transport in them to get them to be a complete car um so that's kind of a nutshell what we do we've been doing this since the mid-90s so we've been doing it for a long time built a little over somewhere around 5,000 covers in that time so okay now you have an interesting
0: background yourself because you actually came from uh, rosh performance right so you've got a uh, quite a bit of uh, high performance knowledge and a lot of connections with ford so uh why don't you give us a little brief history on
4: that for a second yeah i did um basically i've always loved cars but I, my business wasn't around cars but i fortunately i, I was involved i got i got Asked to Roush to work there. And then I had the opportunity to do a startup for a crate engine program there. And it was through that program, well, we, we grew once uh, NASCAR was actually having other engines built in um, in Livonia, Michigan for Roush, and they were shipping them to North Carolina. Well, that when they merged with Yates, it left an engine-built facility in Michigan available. So we started saying, why don't we build them for the public? So that was kind of the idea that I had. We went and did that. And through the course of doing that, I met Lance Sander, who owns Superformance, um, they became one of the largest end users of the Roush trade engine program. We became real close after about 10 years of working together, and I decided it was time for a career change, and he wanted me to come work for him. So I left Roush in 2010, and I've been with Lance ever since, and it's been great. I mean, it's kind of a nutshell, but um, that's, that's what we did. So. Excellent. Now, one of the things you told me, and I did not know this, but you said all the Roush motors are dyno-tested. So uh, share some information on that. Yeah, the Roush Crate engines, um, they're built custom. They're, they're, they're a cookie cutter to a point. If you have a specific application, they do a lot of custom. But every engine that's within their, I call it their box, where they've actually done testing and engineering so they know that it's a stout piece, um, it gets dynoed. Um, every engine goes through a dyno process where it gets pretty much broken in dyno, and that validates the, you know, you get a power run, you get the dyno sheets with it. And they're pretty comfortable when the engine gets crated up that. If, if, you know, if there was anything wrong with the build of that motor, it was going to show up at dyno. So once the customer gets it, drops it into his car, there really isn't even a break in period on it. So then it gives you a two year warranty and um, you know, it's a it's and it's a very pedigree motor. It's very well respected. It actually adds value to our cars on the resale side too, because once you have a rush water, you pretty much have the cream of the crop. So it's um, just it's something that's worked out. The dyno thing's a big deal instead of just spinning the motor up.
0: Well basically what it sounds like it sounds like that
4: if anybody buys a motor, they get their
0: money's worth and they get value. And that's the most important thing. You know, to get a dyno test motor that's basically turnkey. You know, and there's no worries. That's, uh, to me, that sounds like a bargain, don't you?
4: Yeah, and in the big, in the big picture, to be honest with you, um, because of the appearance of a Roush motor, they don't just use a bunch of other people's parts and put their name on it. There's a lot of pieces made by Roush, a lot of the decorative pieces, all uh, covers, air cleaning. When you open the hoods, you know it's a Roush motor. And To, to be honest with you, um, the price differential from a lot of the other engines out there. It was, for what you get, it's within, you know, it's less than $1,500 on, say, a $14,000, 15000 So how can you, you know, it's really, it's not even worth going some other direction, maybe, if you can have that peace of mind and a dyno engine and things like that. So, Excellent. so that's a discount, you know, what else is out there. Okay.
0: Well, now let's talk a little bit about uh, Danielle. How did she come to be a wheel, a driver for uh, Superformance? Because she did a remarkable job out there. She looked like she was having a whole lot of fun, too.
4: Yeah, well, Danielle, um, she she kind of came, we, we met Danielle about, uh, I don't know, about six years ago? She, okay, yeah, 2013, which i was looking, I'm asking her that question. Um, her and her mom, as she calls her, her mom, came from uh, here to see him from Ireland, and once we started talking to Danielle, actually, I started talking to her first, I just remembered that, and um, I thought it was interesting that she was basically the European drift queen there, female, you know, she was the, the queen of drifting there. And we had been doing that. We were doing that with Ford out front, and we had a couple drivers. We had a driver that we kept bringing in as one of our owners to do it. And uh, Danielle said, well, you mind if I try the wheel, you know, that during that show? And so we threw her in a car, and um, she was really doing well. And we kind of enjoyed that. You know, the crowd loved the fact that they saw her long hair flowing out of this helmet. Didn't even know that it was a girl at first, until she got out of the car. And it became kind of a fit. That whole week became pretty interesting with her, you know, there. We, we got to know her and her mom, and we invited her back the next year, and then consequently the next year we became friends. And it just kind of, you know, snowballs from there. And, you know, we just kind of gave her her own car and, you know, been, just, just been, been going from there. And she's uh, having another car built for her own drift series in Europe right now, and she's had about a year downtime. I guess we could tell you all about that. I don't tell her story. But that story is we met her, she's doing great with us, and we're just having fun, you know, doing that. So that's where we're at. Excellent. Well, now that you set the stage, let's introduce Danielle Murphy. Danielle, how you doing? I am here.
3: How are
0: you? How you doing? Uh, so, uh, again, I want to thank you for taking me out on the track this morning. And by the way, I love your Irish accent. It is excellent. It is cool. It is really neat. It's so Irish. It's so uh what's the word i'm trying to think of it? like uh you know on, nostalgic <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Dan, danielle give us a little background on yourself because uh I, m- I just met you last night for the first time we were talking with some friends of ours from michigan and uh you were showing us some of the engines some of the car stuff that you were doing so you're not only a driver you're actually a wrench you know i mean you actually work on cars build cars modify cars and uh, so take it take us through the process for a few minutes
3: Yes, yeah, first of all, I got involved. I was always into cars from a young age. Um, I grew up in a heavy haulage business. My parents had trucks and mobile cranes and things like that. I had two younger brothers, so I was always uh, trying to keep up with them, basically, <laughs> uh, being the only female in the family. But as I grew, grew into driving level or driving age, I was always into the cars and I was able to have performance cars. And When drifting first started in Ireland, I was approached by the guys who started the championship because they wanted a female. To promote it so further down the line I, I decided to buy a car and have it as a hobby and that hobby turned into me winning two European championships uh, traveling the world and it, it escalated into a career it's it, it been a world of opportunities but it, I've always been self-funded I've never had any financial support so anytime if I had a problem with the car initially I, I blew an engine at one event in the UK and I had a big event the following weekend in Europe when I was first starting out. So this to me was a massive stepping stone. And I couldn't afford to go and buy an engine or try to get someone to do it. So I literally just had to learn the hard way. Um, then I had the, the car I was redeveloping last year. It needed a lot of upgrades and I had it at my tuner's garage. And unfortunately his garage caught fire and took everything with it. Uh, he had no insurance, so I was left with literally, literally nothing. Um, My career, my business, my car, everything was basically pulled from underneath me. Um, So when I came to SEMA last year, I think about two weeks before I came, I was offered a BMW, e E92, 320 diesel chassis that was crashed. So I came to SEMA last year with a blue folder with nothing, only photographs of ideas. Um, And that year, I have a car almost built now and I hope to be out tested for Christmas ready for the season next year to go back and try with another championship interesting (laughs) so (laughs) so
0: what other aspirations do you have where do you want to take this to the next level because I know you showed us some pictures last night and unfortunately I think you showed us some pictures where one of your cars got burnt up in a fire or something like that what happened there exactly
3: yeah that was the old car Uh, that's the car i won the European championship I've done everything in that car basically Uh, it was in my tuner's garage um, getting a lot of I need, you know, I pulled the engine out and got rid of the Nissan engine and I was putting in a turbo uh, Supra, a Toyota Supra engine. Um, We'd invested a lot of money into it and the car was basically only about three or four days on completion after being in his garage for about 12 months and his garage caught fire. Uh, He had a car on a dyno and it ignited, the fuel ignited with the heat and it just took the garage. There was 17 cars completely destroyed. Uh, he had no insurance, which was really the biggest uh, dagger to the heart, to be honest, more than anything.
0: Wow, that's 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 so unfortunate. So now, where do you go from here? Do you so you're you're driving for and and working with the team Team Super Performance and the Cobra that you are driving today? Well, how many horsepower does that car have?
3: How uh, many horsepower does this Cobra have? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's five hundred. I wasn't sure it was <laughs> five hundred. Okay, well,
0: that's a lot of horsepower. People will realize you're talking about a 23, 24, 2500 pounds car or less, and you get 500 horsepower. That's a lot of horsepower. So as, you, as you've as you been driving these cars, now do you do you get involved with the actual setup of the car or anything like that? Because the thing that's interesting about these cars, and like uh, Todd was telling us earlier, I think he was telling us last night, that these cars... There, there's, there's such a low center of gravity. You guys are out there and you do, you're, you're basically drifting the car is essentially what you're doing. And there's never, and I, and I rode in the car, I rode in the one that you were driving and I think I rode in Pablo's car. And there was never a fear that the car would roll over. I mean, the, the cars were so stout and, 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 and handled so well um, you know, so I, I, I was quite impressed with it. I mean, ordinarily you'd sit there and think, oh, my gosh, you know, the way you guys were shooting those things around and snapping them left and snapping them right, that they would, uh, you know, flip or something like that. But that, that's never the case. So as far as the car and the setup, um, do you, like, from driver to driver and car to car, do you have any input into how the cars are set up, those uh, Cobra cars that you drive around on the track?
3: Yeah, like, they are. They are completely solid. I think I actually came up, there is a bit of a uh, sharp crest in the middle of the arena here in SEMA I'm not sure if you noticed it as we came out uh, from where you, where we start basically is at the SEMA arena as I take a left there is a massive hump there I think I actually got airborne at one point <laughs> but um, no the cars are exactly they're completely solid for such a short wheel based car they are pretty heavy as well because you've got that big engine on the front but even the driver position of them everything compared to what i drive on the car or on my own car sorry it's, it's You know, I actually don't know. The wheelbase is probably. Oh, hang on, (laughs) how computer. Sorry, we're multi talking here. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, so the chassis and what I'd be used to in the Nissan is completely different. Um, Like the Nissan would be a lot more snappy and you'd have that little bit more of body roll. Uh, With the Cobras, they're completely solid. And I'm actually, I was about to describe, I was about to try to compare it to my BMW, but I've never actually driven a BMW yet. I'm building a car I've never driven <laughs> so, <laughs> but the cobras no they're pretty cool they're pretty solid
0: now let me ask you a question does this now driving these cars a little bit does this kind of uh motivate you would you ever consider being a professional uh, race car driver
3: oh yeah i mean i you know i've been brought as guests to many countries across the world i think unfortunately just because of the country i live in uh, you know motorsports the biggest motorsport in ireland kind of rallying but you wouldn't make a career or a living out of it um at the moment i am it's it's something i'd love to do but it's it's a very tough task to achieve um i am working at the minute to try and make more connections in the u.s which is what i've been building for the last couple of years um i was awarded i was i petitioned to form the Drift this year and i was awarded a, li- a license so i am actually licensed now to compete in the u.s so I'm hoping now in the near future that yeah I can I can come stateside and make make a bit of a go of it more than I would in the Isle okay. Island anyway. Now
0: what you guys were doing out there today, you know, and you're sliding the cars around. Now road racing, on road racing, you have to have a little bit more. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta stay on a track. You know, you don't have the liberty to just sit there and swing the car around like you guys do, which is a hell of a lot of fun. Would you ever consider getting into rally driving?
3: That's where I initially wanted to go, because Rallying is kind of the Irish heritage motorsport. Um, okay. You know, I was fortunate to, where we lived, where I grew up, was a little bit out of the country, so we did have all those back lanes, and, you know, when I was driving, I was able to take those back lanes, and you know, always have in your head, oh, what way do I take this corner, or what's around that, one? and, you know, your head, thinks like that, when that's what you, that's kind of the thoughts that go inside your head, and... I, when I was seventeen, I actually went and I looked into, you know, getting involved in rallying, but I couldn't afford it, and that's literally how I fell into drifting because at the time drifting came in, it was deemed as a poor man's motorsport. About twelve years ago, when it first started, so now it's turned in, you know, the FIA are governing it now. Next year they're coming in, and it's just it it's grown at such a phenomenal rate around the world. It's incredible. So it is taking a different turn. Unfortunately, rallying wasn't my calling, but. I've done a bit of Rallycross, and I've, again, I've guest-driven some rally cars. And that, which has been brilliant, but yeah, the Drifting, I'm, I'm settled for the Drifting at the minute.
0: <laughs> How many of these events do you do a year where you actually, I mean, like SEMA, I mean, are there a number of events that you go travel around the country, or do you travel around the world, you know, doing this kind of stuff, you know, teaming up with Superformance, doing test drives, and uh, oh, or gig exhibition runs? Uh,
3: yeah, no, the gig I have with Superformance is just yearly at SEMA, so that's kind of where that escalated, Um I think it's safe to say I'm part of the <laughs> part of the superformance furniture at SEMA. <laughs> um, it's oh. the only ones the guys actually drift at. So it's you know it's it's great for me. at the end of the year to come over to Vegas, spend some time with the guys, drift the Cobras, taking passengers. It's, it's completely unnatural to see Cobras drifting, and it's such. Uh, it's great to be in that driver's seat and seeing the thrill on the passengers' faces and just the excitement. It's, you know, if. It's, it's, it's a nice engine to the year. There is other trade shows like Germany. I attend an event there in the UK, but I probably have my own car at those ones in the future. Okay. Oh, well, very well, in the past. Sorry, I'm working on the new class so it's all. A... <laughs>
0: well, very good. Well, Danielle, thanks for uh, coming on the show here a little bit and hanging out with us uh, here at Nostalgic Vintage Cars, live at SEMA, by the way. Might have to, mm. might have to add that. Um, is Todd handy. Todd, are you nearby? Todd, yeah, two seconds. Hey, I'm back. You're back. Okay. So, uh, to performance, you basically make, uh, how many different variations of the cars do you make? So, you make uh, a street Cobra, uh, like a small block Cobra, a big block Cobra, a competition Cobra. I think you also do a Ford GT
4: now, and you also do the Daytona Coupe, right? Yeah, we basically have seven different models of cars between, you know, we have the 427SC Cobra, the slab side Cobra, the FIA Cobra. So you got those three in covers. Then we have the hard top cover, which is considered the Daytona Coupe. We've got the Mark One and Mark Two G T forties under, you know, the rental license on you know, the tooling. And then we have the sixty three Corvette Grand Sport. We have a new car coming out under Ford license, the G R one. It's a, a ten years ago Ford did a prototype. It's basically a modern version of the Daytona Coupe. Ford gave us all the bucks and tooling and we're starting production on that within the next six months. And um, Oh wow. Yep. Now, the car that you unveiled today, is that the car we're talking about? No, the car we unveiled today was a GT40. It basically, um, we, back in the 70s, a company called Sephir Spares bought the rights to the GT40 from Ford. Ford washed their hands of it, basically thinking that it was too dangerous for you know, the street. So a company called Zephyr Spares, two guys bought it, started building cars one-off with that tooling Ford was using. Lance Stander, who owns Superformance, uh, partnered up with John Sadler, who's one of the partners in staff here, and said, hey, look, you've got this factory in South Africa with you know big capabilities for, I won't call it mass production, but, you know, larger production than you mm. tried to do here. And so we started building them in our factory, and these cars get regular P numbers with the four-digit and things like that. So now you have a, a you know car that was literally a 60s-era car. So then Ford decided to do the 405 and 06 Ford GT, And um, then now they've done, you know, they started the 16, 17, the 18, the dual Ford GT. So we said, hey, look, they did a modern version of the original car, which we built today. How about if we do a car that's basically a modern version of the original car that looks like the new car today? So we're going backwards forward, kind of a future Ford, we call it. So... That's that version, our old car with a little new car aspect, you know, so. Okay. That's, that's, that's well, Todd,
0: if people stuff. if people want to find out more about Superformance and all the products that you guys make and where
4: they can find their nearest dealer, how do they go about doing it? Just uh, www.superformance.com. It's just Superformance. That, that's the easiest way to get there. Do you guys have, like, uh, social
0: media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Is there places yeah. like that where people can follow some of the stuff that you guys are doing? Yep. Superformance
4: is all over Facebook, Instagram, so if you... Just make sure that everybody kind of tends to want to say super performance. It's super And if they look all over social media, just search that.
0: They'll find it. Okay, super. Well, Todd, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Again, I want to thank Danielle, Danielle Murphy. Uh, excellent. Thank you again for the ride. Great interview. Todd, uh, Todd Andrews with uh, super Performance. Thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll see you guys around. Hopefully, if you, uh, we'll bump into each other. And uh, enjoy the rest of the show here at FEMA. Great, Robert. Thanks,
3: Ben. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself.
0: Okay, you too. We'll see you guys in a little bit. So, uh, Vaughn, how are we doing there? A little more than two minutes. Well, like I said, I cannot overemphasize how cool this would be if everybody could get a chance to come out here to see me. In fact, you know what? One of the things I was thinking about the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine and trying to figure out a way to kind of orchestrate a tour so people from Florida, from our region, for example, could sit there and figure we could get you guys on a bus on a plane or whatever, and get you out here so that you guys can actually experience SEMA. When they use the term overwhelming, if you had to look up the word up, overwhelming in a dictionary, I think SEMA would be the uh, synonym for it because it is so overwhelming if you're a car guy. There's so much stuff going on. I actually had to find, I mean, I was sitting underneath that 4 by 4 Ford truck for a while. Now I'm in, I'm behind the curtain. I'm the man behind the curtain here. And, uh, this little, uh, because it's hard to find a place to talk. And of course my ears are bad. The phone's got his, you know, static issues. We do the best we can to try to bring you guys, you know, some of this uh, really cool stuff that's going on. And again, SEMA, you know, Google SEMA, you find out about all this stuff. Last night, they had a big open party. They had live music. They had, Chip Foose was out there. he, he, Unveiled his '57 Chevrolet. If you follow us on Facebook, I got a picture of it. '57 Bel Air convertible, absolutely stunning car. The things that if you if you see Chip Foose's really cool stuff that he does, you know it ranks up there with some of the best designers and car builders in the country. You know, it's, like I said, Dave Kendig, Diggs, Steve Stroop, uh, Troy Trapanius, Tim Strange, all these guys are all hanging out here. They're all running around. They're all approachable. They're all talkable. I mean, you know, you can talk to them and everything like that. It's just, it's, it's just really, really cool. But just the show, the ambiance, the, 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 the stuff that's here, whether you got a, a two-wheel drive car, a four-wheel drive car, a sports car, a race car, a custom car, a classic car, you know, any kind of car, a street car, a four-door car, station wagon. Anything you can possibly imagine that you could ever want to do to your car, all the latest is state-of-the-art stuff. Like, one of the things they had this morning was Flaming Rivers got this new steering box out that's got a, a ball sector on the end of it, which is really cool because you can position it in almost any angle. Well, you know what that does? That basically sits there and says, instead of having that old nasty 16, 18-to-1 steering gear box that you got in a Mustang, now you got this thing like, 13 to Fourteen to one ratio, and you can just you know, retrofit it to just almost cool. any car. Anyway, hey guys, don't forget check us out every Tuesday night on 10 Talk Radio Network. We'll see you next week in Clearwater. Take care, everybody.
2: Break on
1: DCF
3: Dade City Tampa Bay WZHR Zephyr Hills FM 104.3 Listen